Welcome to the Making Kids Count podcast brought to you by Kentucky Youth Advocates, where we sit down with policymakers, community leaders, and youth to discuss ideas to make Kentucky the best place to be young. Now here's your host, Terry Brooks. Thanks for listening to the Making Kids Count podcast. This is Terry Brooks, and today we're coming to you from the State Capitol Building in Frankfort for a conversation with Kentucky's Lieutenant Governor, Jacqueline Coleman. First of all, welcome, Lieutenant Governor, and thanks so much for welcoming us into your new office today. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, you are a key leader in the Commonwealth, and you have a a fascinating background (laughs) because you've been in nonprofits and you've been an educator, Mm -hmm. and suddenly you are now into the political arena. So (laughs) uh, you want to share with our listeners, first of all, uh, sort of what that trajectory was like. How'd you go from you know, checking out the cafeteria at 12 o'clock to <laughs> sitting in this office. And then the other thing is, uh, I'm a big believer that, that biography matters. Uh, we all have forces or people who have influenced us. So I'm just curious also if you could share a little bit just autobiographically, uh, what are the forces that uh, created the leader that you are today? Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, So I've spent my life in the classroom, my professional life in the classroom. Um, I I began my career um, in what I like to call the big city of Bergen. Um, This population of about a thousand people in a four-way stop. Um, So that school system is K through 12 in one building with about 450 kids total. So it's a very unique place, but um, that's where I started my career. Uh, I declared myself the social studies department chair because I was was the only social studies teacher. There you go. (laughs) So I just took that. Easy to get a consensus. Yes, took that title. Uh, But I taught, it was a very interesting uh, first uh, dive into education because I had to teach every single social studies class. I was doing my K-TIP internship. I was coaching basketball. And in a small school, as most people know, you take on multiple, multiple roles. So I really was able to dive into lots of different facets of education uh, outside of the classroom as well. So it was a great experience. Um, And from there, I went to East Jessamine High School and focused more on teaching civics and uh, working as an adjunct professor for um, our early college program at the school where I taught political science 101 to our high school students and they got college credit for it. Um, Still coached basketball, took on a lot more leadership positions as a teacher in that um, in that time period. I um, was an SBDM representative. I worked as the um, student achievement coach, the teacher effectiveness leader, um, and was a member of the teacher leader network across Kentucky. So I really kind of I think that's pretty much when the advocacy started because I became so much more aware of the issues facing our kids outside of my classroom. Bigger than just the classroom. Bigger right? than just the classroom. And that's, I would say that's where the advocacy started. Um, and along the way, I was also very committed to making sure that uh, young women found their voice. And so I founded a nonprofit called Lead Kentucky. And Lead Kentucky recruits and uh, the, the best and brightest college women from across Kentucky. And we inspire them and empower them to become our Commonwealth's next generation of leaders. So that's a little bit of higher education outside of the classroom mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Um, I'm in my fifth year as the founder and president of that nonprofit and have really enjoyed that work um, on the side of, of mm-hmm. education. Um, 
And then one day this man named Andy Bashir called me. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, you know, I've, I, I knew Andy Bashir before he was attorney general and supported him when he ran. And um, we had a lot in common in terms of our views of, of children and um, his focus on child abuse and human trafficking and um, the pivotal role that education plays in breaking cycles of poverty and things things of that nature and so uh, he called one day and asked if I was interested in being vetted which I have to tell you is a very interesting process Um, and I was and so um, when that process was over he asked me to run for lieutenant governor um, with him uh, which was a very very unique opportunity, uh, not one that I really ever saw myself in. But I will say that um, the advocacy component of my time in the classroom, when it became bigger than my classroom and bigger than curriculum, and it became about uh, the well the well being of children, um, I really believe that work is what propelled me uh, to that spot. Yeah. Well, you know, anybody that uh, has worked or talked to you very much always talks about that you're a learner and mm-hmm. that you're kind of a very reflective mm-hmm. individual. So again, I'm curious because uh, pretty soon, this time last year, uh, you probably were still in schools and mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thinking about that and suddenly here's this new role. So if there are two or three, as you reflect back mm-hmm. from that time you ran in the primary and general election to today, mm-hmm. uh, what are a couple either surprises or convictions that got emboldened or lessons learned? What what have you learned oh, uh, the last 12 months? You probably had students write summative reflective pieces on uh-huh. what they learned. So. Uh-huh. What's your summative reflective yeah. piece on 2019? Yeah. I learned I learned so much, um, and I think being able to take all of the challenges that we face and help talk to folks on the ground in the trenches, for lack of a better word, about how nothing happens in a vacuum, right? Um, so often we try to kind of um, silo off the issues as if they are happening independently, um, but. The, the, one of the greatest things I learned through campaigning is how all of these things intertwine. Um, and, you know, I have two really huge focus areas as a, as a candidate and now as lieutenant governor. Um, and, and one is the next generation of Kentuckians. And the other is uh, how education can help solve some of those major, major issues that we deal with in our schools every day mm-hmm. um, and help those kids and those families to move forward. And so uh, being able to talk to folks who may be in the mental health profession, may be in law enforcement, may be in public education, uh, may just simply be advocates for kids um, and be able to piece all of that together was so critically important to me in helping me to see the big picture because I yes I was I was in the trenches every day with these kids and saw more than probably you know the the general public sees when we talk about our kids and our families but to really be able to step back and look at how this affects every kid across Kentucky uh, was such a powerful learning experience for me and I would not have been able to do that had I not traveled this state and met all of these new folks who have the same passions that we do. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, I always try to be uh, transparent with our listeners. Mm-hmm. And so being transparent, one of the things that animates me listening to both you and the governor is that both of you get, as you just finished talking, is that you, you can't talk about kids 
without talking about economic well-being. You can't talk about economic well-being without talking about health outcomes. Right. can't talk about health outcomes without mm-hmm. talking about education mm-hmm. attainment. Uh, to me, one of the challenges is that we can't tackle 107 things at once. We, we'd like to, but yeah. we can't. But we really have to hone in and narrow that down. So you, you play such a pivotal role in this administration when it comes to kid priorities. Mm-hmm. What are those two or three Lieutenant Governor Coleman priorities that uh, that this first year you really want to hone in on, whether it's on education or broader issues? So I think, you know, and I, as the Lieutenant Governor and the Secretary of Education and Workforce Development, I look at it in kind of um, two different phases. One is kids and one is families. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Governor Bashir and I um, began to kind of work through how this administration was going to be focused and what our our message was and how we could bring about truly transform transformational change that's what we're interested in it's not um it's not the win for today or what helps an office in frankfurt it is about changing the lives of our kids and our families Um, and the governor came up with um, a great acronym that i can appreciate you know in education we turn everything into an acronym acronym. Um, and so it is where where are we going and uh, so we have talked about how every every initiative, every policy, everything we support is going to address one, if not all, of those areas. And the W in WHERE stands for wages. We want to make sure that we can help families uh, to be able to get good paying jobs so they're not working two and three jobs uh, to make ends meet, which then negatively affects the family life right. at home. Um, the H is health care as you can imagine, and making sure that every Kentuckian has access to health care um, every, from every child to every adult uh, and that we can help improve those health outcomes that then affect every other area of our lives. Uh, the E is, the first E is education, as you might imagine, uh, because in my, in my mind, in my experience, um, education uh, plays such a vital role in taking on just about every challenge we face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're pretty hard pressed to find a challenge we face in Kentucky where education isn't part of the solution. Um, the R is retirements. We want to make sure that we make uh, make promises and keep them and that when you um, commit your professional life to public service, you have a stable retirement that you can depend on and understand that um, your family can be raised on that. And then the last D is example. We want to lead by example, and we want to make sure that we treat people um, with respect and dignity and uh, where we agree, move forward and and, um, be able to cross that finish line and get some really big wins for our our state. But where we don't agree, we learn to disagree in a way that is amicable and allows us to move on to the next issue without everyone taking their ball and going home. (laughs) And so, um, you know, Everything we do is going to be looked at through yeah. that lens. Issue-based, not Issue. ad hominem yes. dialogue. Yes, yes, yes. And it, and it all, for me, every single one of those things comes back to our kids and their families. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. I remember in uh, the lieutenant, well, you, I'm sure you did it in other places, but in the lieutenant governor debate, you were especially articulate talking about uh, the classroom's role in every facet mm-hmm of where a kid is headed. Mm -hmm. So you and I have talked offline about one of my, I guess, concerns is that K-12 has become a bifurcated, toxic area. Mm -hmm. 
where folks seemingly can't agree on the day of the week. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious from where you sit now, but also where you sat just 12 months ago, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are some beginning steps? What, what do you hope to accomplish uh, in those, these first couple of years, sort of wearing two hats, to try to bring people together so that education can be uh, that focus where we can agree on parts of it, maybe not agree on others, but still uh, keep our hands together? So I think one of the issues um, that, I, that I felt as an educator was that there, are, there were decisions being made about the classroom, about the school, about the, about the school district that were not made by educators. And, and you can tell when there's an initiative that comes down the pike, yep. um, if it came from an educator, if it came from someone who hadn't been in a school yep. since they graduated high yep. school, uh, that's no secret. And so to me, one of the most important things we can do is return the issue of public education to the education community. And there are so many bright, bright lights in Kentucky in terms of whether we're talking about teachers or school districts, school leaders, administrators who are working every day to improve the lives of our kids. And those folks' voices have to be part. Giving them voice. Yes. They have to be invited into the conversation. They have to be heard and they have to be valued. Uh, And so the biggest thing to me is to make sure that as we craft this policy, we open these doors in Frankfurt and we don't hide in in our offices Mm -hmm. and we get out in the state and we talk to folks who do this work every day and really give them a voice in the process of creating new policy and helping us drive initiatives because those are the folks who do the work every day. Um, And, you know, you can't ever make everyone happy, and I understand that, and there may be some difference of opinion as as we look at, uh, you know, how diverse Kentucky is. but. In reality, if we are not giving a voice to the folks who do the work every day, we're doing a disservice to our kids. I'm wondering, and you just mentioned a key word, the diversity of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I'm really concerned about, I've been concerned about, and candidly, I don't think the November election helped ameliorate it. It maybe accelerated it. Uh, <laughs> is an urban-rural divide. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, KYA's contention has always been, and we think the data bears it out, that kids have a lot more in common, whether they're in Bergen or in Louisville, yes. than they do different. Yes. Uh, that Kentucky families mm-hmm. confront much more parallel issues than different issues. So talk me through that. Uh, you, you have this rare experience of seeing lots of different mm-hmm. facets of Kentucky in lots of different ways. Is mm-hmm. that a, a, a fallacious idea that I'm suggesting that we have more in common than different? Or how, how do we begin to bridge that? So, you know... We, I think when we talk about ways of thinking, so often those ways of thinking are, are learned um, in terms of how we divide ourselves. I could travel to any region in Kentucky, and that region would tell, someone in that region would say something along the lines of, now don't forget about us. Now remember that we matter, right? And remember we're here, and we need representation, and, and all of those types of things. And uh, it... It got to where I heard it every single where I, wow. I went. Uh, when we talk about whether we're talking about JCPS, which is the largest school district in the in the state, or we're talking about a tiny school like Bergen, where I started, um, what is as unmistakable is what you're talking about, and those and that's that the kids in the seats in our classrooms are all fighting the same battles, 
and we're all we're all there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so regardless of how big the school may be or where the school may be located, where the family may live, um, whether it's urban, rural, or a specific region of Kentucky, those challenges are all the same. They may they may be talked about in a different way, but we really do face a lot of those same challenges. And a lot of times, it's the adults that draw the draw the dividing lines, whether it's regionally or rural, urban, or things like that. Uh, but they our kids don't recognize yeah. that, and and certainly opportunity and access um, and all of the challenges they face don't discriminate <laughs> based Absolutely. on where those kids yeah. are in the state. And so it's really important that we make sure that as we continue to address those challenges and we continue to, to give voice to folks, that we make sure, again, that everyone is heard and everyone is part of the conversation because, again, that's all people want. And that's what – I'm a government teacher. That's what that's what the government's supposed to be. It's yeah. not – you didn't, you know, you didn't elect us to come up here and do whatever we felt like doing today. You elected us to come up here and represent you and your mm-hmm. community and your family. And so I don't know how you do that without uplifting those voices across the state. That's great. That's very, very encouraging yeah. kind of answer. Uh, another theme that uh, that both Governor Bashir and you during this fall, you, you all talked a lot about uh, kitchen table economics. Mm-hmm. So now you find yourself along with education and the lieutenant governor, you have that small arena called workforce mm-hmm. development, small, tiny. which yeah. is kind of <laughs> difficult to think about family economics mm-hmm. or education mm-hmm. without thinking workforce. Uh, you want to riff a little bit on your vision for where we're headed uh, in the Commonwealth on workforce? Sure. So in, in the cabinet of education and workforce development, it's, it's a massive Sprawling, sprawling bureaucracy. Lots and lots of challenges um, in different, lots of different areas. Uh, But what the governor and I are um, committed to is to making sure that we don't talk about economic development um, or job creation or any of that kind of stuff without starting at the foundation, which is education. Uh, And so our workforce, uh, as we continue to evolve. it's going to have to have an education system, first of all, that's streamlined early childhood to post-secondary. Because right now, we are losing the kids who either are growing up in poverty in, early, in the early childhood years. And so the starting line for them is much, much farther away than, they, than it is for kids who grow up who, have, who don't have as many needs. Mm-hmm. Um, as we transition kids from high school to college or high school to the workforce, so often we are so focused on getting ch- checking the boxes for graduation and making sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's and then those kids walk across our stage and they get their diploma and we've lost track of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so really streamlining a cradle to career system in Kentucky is absolutely paramount to being able to move our workforce forward. Um, if we have kids that are starting uh, kindergarten and they are already behind the eight ball, then they're going to continue to be behind the eight ball year after year after year. And so it's imperative that we catch them there. Um, In addition, as they walk across our stages and they get those diplomas, we have to have options and pathways and uh, pipelines built so that we don't lose these kids. And it's not just a four-year liberal arts destination, right? It is not. Um, Amen, Lieutenant Governor. Amen. (laughs) I mean, I have a four-year liberal arts degree, but that was for me. Um, And so there are lots of other avenues that, and I I do believe that um, the education system is both K-12 and higher ed are 
right now trying to figure out how how can we make this work? How can we um, help our economy by building an education system that supports what yeah, we? You know, need. so many states talk about cradle to grade 14. Yes. They don't even they don't even allow anybody to stop at grade 12. Yes, yes. I've even heard P20 before, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in our education system and what we're focusing on and being able to move forward um, in, in K-12 with the, with the pathways that they're building in the high schools. And we need pipelines now. Mm-hmm. So once they walk across the stage in high school, what's next? Because they have Logical to have a, next step. Yeah, they have to have a credential. They have yeah. to have something that they can show on a resume for an, an area of expertise. And I, I believe our community colleges, our four-year colleges, our apprenticeship programs are really starting to figure out how to find that niche and to serve our kids so that they can serve our communities because that's the ultimate goal. And so when we talk about workforce, um, Yes, education is the foundation, but we've got to make sure that we no longer silo those opportunities because every time an opportunity is siloed, access is restricted, mm-hmm. and we're, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, and so really that is so important with workforce as we, as we move our kids forward to create more opportunity, to break down barriers that exist, to create more access. Yeah. Well, I could keep going because you're pretty daggone inspirational. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you. But uh, before we close, I want to mm-hmm. give you sort of a, a chance to do sort of a closing benediction. Uh, <laughs> you got some final words and reflections uh, as you think about uh, your role, uh, Kentucky and kids. Yeah. You know, I wake up every day and, and think about how grateful I am to, to have this opportunity. And it's not one that I take lightly, and it's one that um, requires a commitment to serve um, our communities and our kids and the next generation um, that we're all working for. That's who we should all be working for right now. Um, and, you know, I think about uh, Governor Bashir's vision that he has, not just for this administration, but for this Commonwealth. And it gives me hope. And, you know, my role in in that whole vision um, is is to make sure that we continue to fight for our kids and make sure that they have a voice and they're not forgotten in this whole process. Um, and as I do that every day, it um, it's it sometimes can be overwhelming uh, to think about that, uh, the scope of that, and the responsibility. I mean, the, I I don't take it lightly, um, and I'm very grateful to have that opportunity. But um, you know, it, we're here working for every Kentuckian across this Commonwealth. And whether you live in a big town, big city or a small town, um, whether you live in far west Kentucky or um, southeast Kentucky, uh, we're, we're, our goal is to fight for you and to make sure that you have a place, that you feel comfortable here, that you can speak to um, your, your leaders who you've sent here to represent you, um, and to have a voice in the process because we're all just trying to make, make things better, right? And so if we all work together to do that, um, and we are also making sure that our folks who are not in Frankfurt and have a voice that's heard in this process, um, then I think we're doing the right thing. And so that's that's the measuring stick I use is, yeah. you know, who are we fighting for and are they a part of the solution? Well, that's we appreciate that you're fighting for kids Thank across you. Kentucky. Thank you. So Kentucky Youth Advocates is gearing up for our annual Children's Advocacy Day at the Capitol mm-hmm. coming up on January 23rd. Uh, We want to encourage our listeners to uh, go to our website, check that out. Another reminder uh, also is that you can find information 
around the blueprint for Kentucky's children at kyyouth.org. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for hosting us uh, in your office today. We really do look forward to uh, having your voice uh, as a champion's voice for kids in Kentucky. This is Terry Brooks, and you've been listening to Making Kids Count. Thank you for listening to the Making Kids Count podcast with Terry Brooks. For more information and to listen to more episodes, visit kyyouth.org slash podcast. Kentucky Youth Advocates is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who doesn't accept government money so that we can remain truly independent. To support this podcast and our mission as the independent voice for Kentucky kids, please consider making a gift at kyyouth.org slash donate.